For over 45 years, people have relied on Village Green Apothecary to give them individualized nutrition, pharmacy, and healthy living products. Village Green will give you the kind of person-to-person help and attention that mass market pharmacies have long ago forgotten. You can depend on us for knowledge, experience, product selection, and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane. Call us at 301-530-0800 or check out our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM 1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary. I am your host for today, Dr. Kevin Passero. We're here every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m., so don't forget to tune in. Looking forward to a good show today. Got a great special guest on the phone with me. Got Dr. Michael Greger, founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Michael Greger, MD, is a physician, New York Times bestselling author, and internationally recognized speaker on nutrition, food safety, and public health issues. He has lectured at the Conference on World Affairs, testified before Congress, was invited as an expert witness in the defense of Oprah Winfrey in the infamous meat defamation trial. He is a graduate of Cornell University School of Agriculture and Tufts University School of Medicine. Currently, Dr. Greger serves as the Director of Public Health and Animal Agriculture at the Humane Society of the United States. His latest book, How Not to Die, became an instant New York Times bestseller. More than a thousand of his nutrition videos are freely available at nutritionfacts.org with new videos and articles uploaded every day. Dr. Greger, thanks for taking the time this morning to be with us. So excited to be here. Great. Awesome. Well, um, you know, where do you want to start? You've got a long career. You've got a lot of great information to share. Uh, you got this book, How Not to Die. Do you want to talk to us about some of the principles that inspired you to write the book? Happy to talk about anything. Um, uh, my uh, story, basically, um, uh, in terms of uh, how I got doing the kind of medicine I do today, which is lifestyle medicine, um, actually started with my grandma. I was uh, just a kid when, my, when the doctor sent my grandma home in a wheelchair to die. She was diagnosed with end-stage heart disease. Already had so many bypass operations, basically ran out of plumbing, confined to wheelchair, crushing chest pain. Her life was over. At age 65, nothing more the doctors could do. But then she heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, one of our early lifestyle medicine pioneers. Um, became one of his early success stories. They wheeled her in, and she walked out. Within a few weeks, she was walking 10 miles a day. Went on to live another 31 years till age 96 to enjoy her six grandkids, including me, thanks to a healthy diet. And so her miraculous recovery not only inspired one of those grandkids to pursue a career in medicine, but granted her enough healthy years to see him graduate from medical school. So it was really all thanks to her. You know, when I got to medical school, I was shocked that this whole body of evidence on reversing chronic disease with lifestyle changes, like opening up arteries without drugs, without surgery, um, was being largely ignored by mainstream medicine. So if the cure to our number one killer, heart disease, could get lost down some rabbit hole and ignored, I figured, well, wait a second, what else? might be buried in the medical literature that could help my patients. Well, I made it my life's mission to find out. That's what led me to start NutritionFacts.org, and that's what led me to write the new book, How Not to Die. That's a great backstory. Always, you know, I find personal stories of seeing things happen to either yourself as a doctor or watching things happen in the family usually lead to the most miraculous changes and innovations as far as approaching health. So thanks for, for sharing that. So you talked about... Um, heart disease. Well, we talk about what are the top five causes of, of death right now, and have they significantly changed over the last 10 or 20 years, or have things been pretty consistent? 
Oh, no, they uh, they have changed. So the top three killers used to be heart disease, cancer, stroke. Oh, that's so 2007. Now it's heart disease, uh, cancer, and COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary diseases like emphysema, um, then um, uh, followed by stroke, um, and on down the list. I actually have a chapter on each of the top 15 killers. Um, uh, and so I just go through each of the 15 leading causes of death, talk about the role diet may play in preventing, arresting, and even reversing our top 15 killers. Well, when we talk about heart disease as the number one killer, I mean, the conversation that most people understand around heart disease is they go to their doctor once a year and they get a cholesterol check. And if their cholesterol is under, used to be 200, and now I think it's down to 190 and their LDLs are below uh, 100, doc says it's good. If it's a little bit above, they say, all right, well, here's a prescription for a statin medication. Take this and you won't have a problem with heart disease or this will at least lessen the risk. I mean, how comprehensive an approach is that, considering it's the number one killer of Americans, but that's about how much preventative attention is given to this significant issue? Yeah, it's really a tragedy. I, mean, I think you describe it very well. And so, right, so if you, you know, the average cholesterol in the country these days is about 206. Um, you know, in 206, basically, you know, the doctor, you know, probably wouldn't do anything. Um, and so, you know, but one has to realize, well, having a normal cholesterol. So, you know, if you got that back in a lab test, it would say you're normal. Well, I mean, but having a normal cholesterol in a society where it's normal to drop dead from heart disease, right, number one killer, not necessarily a good thing. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, for most deaths from heart disease, a um, little over 50%, uh, death is from something called sudden cardiac de- death, meaning you don't even know you have heart disease, and uh, but then uh, you're dead within an hour. And so, you know, people have this sense, oh, yeah, well, you know, your chest start to hurt, and then it gets worse and worse, and, you know, you have time to, you know, make some changes, reverse it, get a stent placed or something. But actually for most deaths, um, uh, you know, people just, simply kind of keel over or dead. Um, uh, and so that's why it's critical, right? That's why an ounce of prevention is worth way more than a pound of cure because there is no cure for dead. Right. And what's interesting, I mean, isn't aren't the statistics show that about 50% of people who have a cardiac um, event, so basically a heart attack, have normal or regular cholesterol? Right. So normal, regular, right? So these are descriptions. Yep. These are, they, right. So they were, that's not optimal. Right. Um, so same thing, having a normal blood pressure, that would be a terrible thing, right? Because high blood pressure is a leading killer, killer number 13 in this country. Um, and so, again, I mean, it's very important to differentiate between normal, regular. Um, and, you know, that's how they do these lab tests, right? They do just kind of a bell curve. And if you're in the, within the bell curve, that's kind of, you know, you're just classified as normal. But, again, uh, we don't want to be normal when people are you know, keeling over dead from preventable, treatable, reversible conditions. Yeah, but the other thing that's interesting, I mean, you list the top three killers of Americans. So right now it was heart disease, cancer, and COPD. You list somewhere in there um, high blood pressure. I'm sure somewhere in there has to be something related to diabetes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So and, number six. Yeah, and if you look at, let's say, the top two, heart disease and cancer, um, you know, what's interesting is that we're seeing other trends or things that connect these diseases, they're not all these isolated diseases, right? I mean, what we know is that many of these conditions of of chronic disease are related to inflammation. 
And so if we look at it from a broader perspective, right, Dr. Gregor, I mean, don't we see broader trends that, you know, sort of link all of these chronic diseases together? And that's really an exciting thing, right? That's really the optimistic message. So it's not like, you know, there's one kind of heart-healthy diet that's somehow different from a brain-healthy diet. No, a kidney-healthy diet is a liver-healthy diet, is a body-healthy diet because of these common links, like chronic low-grade inflammation, like um, lack of adequate blood flow, right? I mean, uh, you know, whether we're talking about blood flow to the heart, blood flow to the kidneys, or liver, or brain, um, we need to have open, clean arteries. That's why a heart-healthy diet can be good all over. And uh, as you mentioned, with inflammation, it's important to eat an anti-inflammatory diet, a diet um, packed with whole plant foods to bring down inflammation, um, which it plays a role in many of our leading killers. Yeah, well, it's funny because people come out, a lot of people get their information around nutrition not from their doctors, right? Because as you know, doctors spend virtually no time discussing nutrition or what people should eat. Um, well, doc, I have this condition. What should I do for food? Well, food doesn't matter, so don't worry about it. Eat what you want, right? So most of people's information around nutrition is what's coming out in popular culture, what uh, the latest talking head on TV is describing or talking about, books that people are writing. And the reality is sometimes in order to get attention around these things, they've got to promote it for a specific angle. This is the brain-healthy diet. This is the heart-healthy diet. This is the arthritis diet. This is the anti-cancer diet. But if you really start stripping it down, don't they all pretty much have the same fundamental underpinnings? They do if they're sticking to the size. Now, often that same kind of drive to, for sales or to be different or to be contrary or to get headlines, they just, you know, uh, you know they say, oh, eat a you know, bacon and butter diet. Um, that'll get you headlines. That'll get you book sales. People love hearing, you know, good news about their bad habits. Um, uh, so that same kind of strive to get attention in the popular media may actually, you know, take one way off the rails in terms of what the science is. Right. But it's true from there's actually remarkable consistency in the nutritional science literature going back decades now. Um, uh, but it's, uh, you know, these, these, you know, ba- these butter, and ba- butter is back headlines, you know, sells a lot of magazines, but it really sells the public short. It's kind of a classic tobacco industry tactic to sow confusion, muddy the waters in hopes that people just kind of sh- throw up their hands and eat whatever's put in front of them. But the remarkable consistency is, you know, we should boost our intake of healthy plant foods like fruits and vegetables, limit our intake of animal foods, processed foods. The public needs and deserves to know about the overwhelming global consensus regarding the core elements of healthy living. Yeah, the research is pretty clear. When you you look at actually with research, not what's just trying to sell headlines, there are very similar underpinnings, and they say, you know, what's good for the heart is good for the brain. And then we learn that that same thing helps to reduce inflammation, which improves immune function and reduces cancer risk. You know, and you can look on the um, American Cancer Society website, um, the, you know, American Heart Disease Association, and they all list pretty much right on the first pages of their website that diet can reduce the risk of all of these major chronic conditions. There's just no focus on it really in medicine. So what, what are some of the other most things that may surprise people about what's in the top 15 leading causes of, of death that they can find in your book? Well, you know, I was certainly surprised that the role diet, may, I mean, you know, when you think about heart disease, diabetes, I mean, these are just, you know, you know obvious, uh, you know, dietary links. But I was surprised if I went going through the list, just in filling in the blanks, that uh, diet may play a critical role in the development of Parkinson's disease and Alzheimer's disease and even mental health issues such as depression. Um, so a leading killer suicide, um, uh, of which the major risk factor is major depression. 
And so, I mean, that, that was surprising to me that um, uh, diet and lifestyle changes can not only improve physical health, but mental health as well. And so um, I was uh, pleasantly surprised, and I guess it makes a, a certain amount of sense when you kind of step back and look at it, but uh, there is this, uh, you know, but now we actually have you know, science to kind of back up that intuition. Yeah, so, I mean, can you help us understand some of the links between diet and mental health? Because I think people really relate it to, to physical health, but what are the mechanisms that, that, just briefly, that seem to link nutritional practices to mental health? Because we know that, you know, people don't oftentimes feel their heart hurting or the art, you know, their arteries clogging or plaques forming. You can't feel a tumor growing early stage. So oftentimes the motivation to correct those things don't occur until we're actually, you know, too far along. But with mood and anxiety and depression, I mean, the rates of prescription drugs for anxiety disorders, depressive disorders, it is so rampant. So help people understand how that's connected. Yeah, so we've known for a long time that people who eat healthier tend to feel healthier. So, for example, people eating plant-based diets only have half the uh, depression, anxiety, and stress scores compared to those who eat kind of the standard American diet. But, uh, you know, until recently, these were so-called cross-sectional studies, snapshot in time. So you never know which comes first. Is a, you always have to be concerned about something called reverse causation, meaning maybe, yes, uh, you know, eating healthier leads to feeling healthier, but maybe people who are mentally healthy just go on to eat healthier. I mean, who needs comfort foods when you're already comforted? Um, and so uh, we didn't know until recently when there was actually um, a randomized controlled trial to put diets to the test to see if we could actually randomize people to different diets and see what helped. And, the, um, and there's only been one diet so far that has passed the test in terms of significantly improving mood, and that was um, a study done at the University of Arizona. Uh, their kind of hypothesis going into it was that it was this arachidonic acid. And arachidonic acid is a pro-inflammatory, long-chain omega-6 fatty acid found predominantly in chicken and eggs, though found in uh, number third sources, beef and then pork and on down the list. But so in animal products, arachidonic acid, they feel it was causing neuroinflammation, brain inflammation. But their hope was that we could clear this inflammation within the brain, um, out of the brain within a few weeks by removing uh, meat, fish, poultry, eggs um, uh, from the diet. So they randomized people, half they continued the regular diet, the other half removed these animal products and got a significant improvement in mood within just two weeks. I mean, it can take drugs much, drugs much longer to take an effect. Significant improvement in mood within just two weeks, um, supporting this idea um, that uh, part of depression may be um, uh, inflammation within the brain, um, but we can cut that down uh, with a few simple dietary tweaks. Mm. That's an interesting link, and I know there are many other links related to diet, mental health. We've seen links between, as we talked about the last time I was on the show, the health of the gastrointestinal system, the yeah. microflora yeah. that exist in our gut, and we know that microflora populations can be shifted within as little as 24 hours, depending yeah. on what you eat. If you eat a heavy meat diet, you start to shift it in a negative direction, including lots of vegetables. Some fruits can shift it in a positive direction because the bugs that live in our gut love the fiber that comes from the vegetables, they metabolize that, and it fuels a healthy balance of bacteria versus an unhealthy balance, which is 
primarily perpetuated with too much meat, too much sugar, too much processed food, which, let's face it, is the typical standard American diet or often referred to as the sad diet, which is pretty much what it is. So when we come back from the break, Dr. Gregor, I'd like for you to get a little bit more specific about your ideas on nutrition. And I've got some targeted questions for you. I think you've got some great insights into this. This is Dr. Kevin Passero with The Essentials of Healthy Living, and we're going to be back right after these words. Solgar number 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar number 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within 7 days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar number 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar number 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within 7 days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar number 7 says yes. Solgar number 7 Available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life. Kind Organics Whole Food Multivitamins. They are the only USDA certified organic, non-GMO verified whole food multivitamins available. They're gluten-free, certified vegan, and feature a patent-pending clean tablet technology. Kind Organics is super clean, untreated, unadulterated, and real whole food. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics. Now available at Village Green Apothecary and on online at myvillagegreen.com. Are you under a lot of stress at work? Pressure from the boss, budget cuts, impossible workloads? It can all take a serious toll on your health, but we can help. Village Green Apothecary has everything you need for a healthier lifestyle. A wide range of nutritional supplements, health-related books, and more. We've been providing customized nutrition and healthy living resources for over 45 years, and we'll take the time to advise you about your unique needs. Visit Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or check out our website at myvillagegreen.com. Staying mentally sharp means nourishing the mind as well as the body. That's why there's new Cognisure from Metagenics. Research shows that the active natural ingredient in Cognisure supports multiple mechanisms necessary for maintaining healthy cognition and a healthy brain as it ages. Cognisure is also easy to take in delicious, chewable chocolate tablets. Have a clear and bright future by maintaining mental capacity with healthy habits and Cognisure. Remember Cognisure for healthy brain aging support. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. Do you have unique needs that a mass market pharmacy can't handle? Village Green Apothecary can help. Maybe your doctor prescribed a special compounded formula for you, or you have concerns about allergies or dietary supplements. We invite you to talk with one of our compounding specialists today. Our team includes pharmacists, nutritionists, clinical herbalists, and naturopaths offering customized products and personalized healthy living plans to ensure your well-being. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane. Call us at 301 or check out our website at myvillagegreen.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM 1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary. I'm your host for today, Dr. Kevin Passero. Thank you all for tuning in. We have on the phone with us today Dr. Michael Greger, founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. He's a medical doctor and physician who's devoted his life to incorporating lifestyle medicine as a way of helping people heal. He is a New York Times bestselling author, and his latest book, How Not to Die, became an instant New York Times bestselling book. You can learn more about his work with nutrition. Watch thousands of his nutrition videos free at nutritionfacts.org. And Dr. Gregor, where can people find your book? I assume on Amazon or uh, other places? They can find it anywhere where books are sold, available in print, electronic version, and audiobook. Okay, great. So in the last segment, we talked about some of the leading causes of death. We talked about lifestyle medicine as an important role in 
rectifying that, and you talked about your grandmother's experience with Dr. Pritikin, one of the founding doctors as far as using lifestyle medicine, but let's get down to the nuts and bolts of it. Somebody's really trying to look at a nutrition practice to prevent some of these leading causes of death. What are we looking at? There's paleo diet, there's vegan diets, there's vegetarian diets, there's Mediterranean diets, there's high fat, low carb, there's high carb, low fat. There's, you know, I mean, it can go on and on and on and on and on. And every week there's a new diet. What in the world are people supposed to do? I mean, where's the evidence? Where's the science really showing us what to do? Well, that, I mean, so when it comes to, you know, uh, buying a new toaster or something, it doesn't matter, right? You can get your advice from a stranger on the Internet or, you know, get the shiny one or the pretty one or the one that your friends like. But when it comes to something as important as the health and well-being of oneself and one's family, how else? Can we make decisions but based on the best available balance of evidence? And the best available balance of evidence suggests the healthiest diet is one that minimizes the intake of meat, eggs, dairy, and processed junk and maximizes the intake of fruits, vegetables, legumes, which are beans, split peas, chickpeas, and lentils, whole grains, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices, basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest options. Okay, so, I mean, so what should people eat? So, I mean, they should center their diets around whole plant foods. Now, sure, you can choose moderation and hit yourself with a smaller hammer, but why beat yourself up at all, right? It's still up to each of us to make our own decisions as to what to eat, how to live, but we should make these choices consciously, educating ourselves about the predictable consequences of our actions. I mean, as a physician, you know, what more can I do? I mean, you know, I don't tell my smoking patients to cut down to half pack a day. I tell them to quit. Now, look, half a pack is better than two packs a day, but you know, ideally we should try to only put healthy things in our mouth. Okay. So it's not necessarily a vegan diet, a vegetarian diet. It's a diet that is plant-based, but there's no problems with incorporating what good quality protein animal products as long as it's in moderation and properly balanced with the rest of your diet? It doesn't matter what you eat on your birthday or holidays or special occasions, but on a day-to-day basis, we really the more that we can pack a diet with whole plant foods, the better. Okay. So what about fats? Because there's a lot of questions around fats and, you know, good fats or bad fats, healthy fats versus unhealthy fats. Where does the, where, where does the line fall on those? Because some people even get scared of, you know, uh, plant-based diet. Well, nuts are plant-based, avocados are plant-based, coconuts plant-based, but some people are scared of the saturated fats of these plant-based foods. Are they any evidence that they're problematic? So, you know, we don't eat macronutrients, we eat foods. And so the question is, I mean, I mean, it's like saying, are carbs good? Well, carbs are lentils or lollipops. You know, you know, uh, you know, fat is, you know, you know, it could be walnut, which is one of the healthiest foods on the planet, or it could be lard, one of the least healthy, or, or uh, you know, Crisco, hydrogenated oils, one of the probably unhealthiest things on the planet, right? And so that's why you can't talk about, well, I mean, good, but no, well, what about the food, right? And so, um, uh, you know, nuts, um, high in fat, and also very health-promoting. Um, uh, in fact, um, there's now a randomized trial, the PrediMed style study, which you know mailed people nuts um, every week, and those who went from about a half a handful of nuts a day to a whole handful of nuts a day randomized um, years later, um, about four years later, at half the stroke rate compared to those that weren't sent nuts in the mail. I mean, that's an extraordinary. Um, finding that we can cut our risk of stroke in half by one simple dietary tweak. Um, I mean, we've long had observational studies that show that people who eat nuts have lower rates of heart disease, etc. Um, but you don't know if people who eat nuts just have other healthy behaviors as well. 
Um, uh, but uh, now that we actually have these uh, controlled trials, it's really quite extraordinary. Now, um, uh, we also have uh, evidence that, uh, you know, uh, foods high in saturated fat, not only meat and dairy, um, but also um, uh, some of the tropical oils, um, so that is, so there's some rare saturated fat in plant foods, such as coconut oil, palm kernel oil, and palm fruit oil, that does indeed increase one's LDL, one's bad cholesterol, increasing one's risk for our leading killer. So um, I think the bottom line is to encourage people to stay away from processed foods um, and to stick to whole plant foods. So I encourage them to stay away from oils, um, which are kind of like the, the table sugar of the fat kingdom. There's a lot of calories and a lot of nutrition. Um, and uh, stick to whole plant foods. So I encourage people to eat avocados and nuts and seeds, um, and, uh, but just reduce their intake of oils and animal foods. Okay. And if somebody's facing, I mean, because the research is really pretty impressive and your grandma's story does highlight that and other doctors like Dr. Dean Ornish, I mean, these are doctors that have shown that doing very specific controlled recommendations with dietary factors can equal some of the most aggressive and cutting edge medical interventions we have. So for example, Dean Ornish was putting people on incredibly low fat vegetarian diets and getting similar results with reversing heart disease as far in comparison to placing stints. And no, better. Be- no, well, better, yeah, it was right. better, yes. Because- right, so better. Was, I mean, so yeah. without the risk of surgery. So yes. without the So it got the same benefits in terms of angina reduction of open-heart surgery, of, you know, bypass surgery. And so, I mean, I think it's important to recognize there's only one diet that's ever been proven to reverse heart disease in the majority of patients, a plant-based diet. Now, there's various variations that low-fat, um, more moderate-fat. Uh, Dr. Furman just published this year um, very similar heart disease reversal with a higher-fat um, uh, plant-based diet, but they all share one thing in common. Um, and, uh, and, look, if that's all a plant-based diet could do, reverse our number one killer. Uh, shouldn't that be the default diet? until proven otherwise. In fact, it can also be effective in treating, arresting, or reversing other leading killers like high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes, which seem to make the case for plant-based eating overwhelming. Only one diet has ever been proven to do that. You know, it's kind of hard to cherry pick when there's only one cherry. Mm -hmm. So people do get concerned. They say, well, geez, you know, there's so much focus, especially with the newer fads, I mean, the paleo diet is really caught on. And, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, it is a lot healthier than many people were eating because it does reduce the sugar and a lot of the inflammatory grains and dairy products that people tend to overconsume. But there's a huge focus on protein and protein, and people need a lot of protein. So if somebody's going to a more plant-based diet, vegan or vegetarian diet, I mean, where, where since everybody's so protein-obsessed, help us understand where protein sources come from in a plant-based diet. You know, the recommended daily allowance is only about 50 grams a day. I mean, one good PB&J could take a half the way there. I mean, most Americans, including vegetarians and vegans, get about 70% more protein than they need every day. I mean, the reason that plant sources are preferable, um, so we're talking about legumes, beans, peas, chickpeas, and lentils, those are the kind of the plant protein superstars. The reason they're preferable as protein sources is because of the baggage that comes along with animal protein. All right, food is a package deal. So as much as you know, Burger King says you can have it your way, you can't be like, yeah, I'd like the burger, but let's hold the saturated fat, cholesterol, et cetera. Et cetera. I mean, you know, whereas the baggage that comes along with plant protein, that's some of the nutrients people are, are lacking, right? It's the fiber, the folate, the phytonutrients, potassium. You know, 97% of Americans don't even reach the recommended minimum daily fiber intake. 98% of Americans suffer potassium-deficient diets. 
right? Um, and so most of our dietary deficiencies are due to inadequate intake of whole plant foods. And so, uh, you know, ironically, um, by, you know, uh, switching to plant sources of protein, there's um, less risk of nutrient deficiency. You actually have a greater likelihood of getting all the nutrition one needs. Right. So I think there, what you're saying is there are some misconceptions around you have to be eating animals in order to get sufficient amounts of protein because there's plenty from the plant-based world. Right. And if you think about it, some of the biggest, strongest animals, like you think of a rhinoceros or an elephant or a gorilla, I mean, these are, right, where are they getting their protein from, right? They're getting it from plants yep. and uh, just like we can. In fact, where, where do the animals we eat get their protein? Where does the cow get their protein mm-hmm. from, right? Where did all that protein come from, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, all essential amino acids come from plants. Plants, mm-hmm. plants and microbes. Uh, so animals just are kind of like intermediaries, like the middle cow, the middleman between the the essential fatty, the essential amino acids, which are created by plants, and then are just kind of repackaged into muscle form. But we can get them directly from the plants. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I think I'm sure you see it when you see patients. People come in and. They say, no, I'm very healthy. I'm already doing what what you recommend, Dr. Gregor. I'm eating a vegetarian diet. But then you go through and you look at the list of foods that you're eating. I think one of the problems is vegetarian diets aren't necessarily healthy diets. Can you talk about, you know, some of the biggest mistakes people make when they all of a sudden start doing a vegetarian diet, but they don't take good, good care? And I mean, it goes along the line with everything that you're saying, but people can do it in a really unhealthy way, right? Oh, absolutely, right. So less vegetarian and more vegetabilitarian, right? I mean, you actually have to eat your veggies, you know? So, you know, that's why I don't like labels like vegetarian or vegan, because that tells me, as, a, as physicians, right, that just tells us what you don't eat, right? But there's mm-hmm. lots of unhealthy um, plant-based foods out there, french fries, potato chips, soda pop. Um, you know, that's why I prefer the term whole food plant-based nutrition, right? That tells me what you do actually eat, a diet centered around some of the healthiest foods out there. And so that's actually, I think, a little more descriptive. Yeah, I mean, I think there tends to be a high um, reliance on grains and grain-based products when people tend to go to vegetarian diets. What about, like, um, any specific thoughts around soy? It's oftentimes highly incorporated into vegetarian diets. People like the replacement products like soy burgers or soy cheeses or soy breakfast patties and there's some controversy around is soy good for you or bad for you i mean i think i know where you're going to come in on this but it's a question that a lot of people ask me so i imagine an answer from you would probably be helpful yeah, well, I mean, certainly if uh, we're talking about a replacement for a sausage patty, then basically anything uh, would be better, right? The World Health Organization has identified processed meats like lunch meats, ham, you know, bacon, sausage, as Category 1 carcinogens, meaning we're as sure that they cause cancer in human beings as we are that asbestos and cigarette smoke and radiation causes cancer um, in human beings. And so yet they, we continue to send our kids to school with them. I mean, that's outrageous. Um, but... Um, and so, God, we could, you, you know, almost anything um, is better. But I do encourage people to eat, like, like everything, to eat whole um, foods. And so some of these processed food products, yeah, they're better than what they're replacing. But ideally, I'd like people to continue to use them more as transitional foods and move toward whole plant foods. And when it comes to soy, that means things like edamame or whole soybeans in a can or something mm-hmm. like tempeh where you can actually see the um, individual soybeans. Even something like tofu, that's a processed product. They, you, know, take, you know, you take a whole soybean, you remove about half the fiber, half the minerals, 
And now look, I mean, soybeans are so healthy, you can remove half the nutrition, you still got a really healthy food. Um, but, you know, ideally we should try to um, stick to kind of whole foods whenever it's possible. You know, and, uh, you know, the things could take a step back and say, well, two of the healthiest, longest living populations in the world, two of our blue zones, um, uh, the Loma Linda uh, Seventh-day Adventist vegetarians and the Okinawan Japanese, um, eat uh, very soy-heavy diets and to have some of the best public health statistics on the planet. Yeah, I think, you know, looking at how close is it to its form of nature, which is pretty much exactly what you're advocating when you're looking at your food, eating real whole food. So if you've got something that has been highly processed into a soy, you know, based product that it doesn't look like the soybean itself, you can start to get a little skeptical around it. Now, again, it might be better than the meat or non-vegetarian option when it comes to some of this research on health, but it's always best to eat as sort of low down on the processed food chain as possible, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, it's important to think, you know, if you think, well, well, what about a burger? A burger's not processed. No, what is a burger? A burger is soy, is processed soybeans, right? The cow eats soybeans and, you know, mm-hmm. highly processes. It removes 100% of the fiber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you end up with you end up with a burger. So that's like a soy, that's, that's like you start out with soybeans and you ended up with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, meat can be thought of as highly processed food. Um, and so I encourage people, yes, whole foods, whole foods. So foods as grown, as uh, close to we might find them in nature as possible, which makes a certain amount of sense. Um, that's not uh, a, a, that's not a, uh, a, there's no, not, there are indeed a few exceptions. Some uh, forms of processing actually makes foods more healthy. But in general, yeah. um, whole plant foods are the healthiest. So what do you eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, Dr. Greger? Share with us like a, a, de- a snapshot of your day. Oh, well, that's, uh, so that's indeed the whole kind of second half of the book. So the first half is, you know, the 15 chapters on the leading cause of death, but I didn't want it just to just be kind of a reference book. Right. I also wanted to be kind of a practical guide on translating this amount of data into day-to-day decisions. So that's the second half of the book where I sent to my recommendations or in the daily dozen checklist of all the things I try to fit into my daily routine. So a tablespoon of ground flax seeds and a uh, um, quarter teaspoon of ground turmeric, and um, these are the best beverages the best sweeteners, how much exercise, you kind of on down the list of all the things I try to kind of fit into my daily diet. And it's basically, um, you know, lots of beans and greens, um, berries, uh, you know, the healthiest fruits, the dark green leafies, the, the healthiest vegetables, and, you know, just kind of, there's free apps for both uh, iPhone and Android, Dr. Gregor's Daily Dozen, so you kind of check them off and track your progress, see how you're doing. But basically, any way I can fit those in my diet. So a typical breakfast would be, you know, uh, you know oatmeal with berries and uh, nut seeds, something like that. Um, and then uh, lunch, uh, you know, kind of typical kind of soup salad, uh, sandwich kind of thing. And then uh, for evening meal, I like kind of ethnic cuisines. And so... Mm-hmm whether it's Mexican or Ethiopian or Chinese or Thai or, uh, you know, uh, Moroccan, you know, whatever. I just, I like highly spiced foods, but that's really more of a, just kind of a preference sure. than uh, uh, kind of a, uh, a scientific underpinning. Great. All right. Well, thanks for sharing. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion around diet, nutrition, and how it affects some of the most leading causes of death in the United States. This is Dr. Kevin Passero, The Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM 1500. Don't go anywhere. We're going to be back right after these words. Mega Food Premium Whole Food Supplements are the only supplements crafted from scratch with farm-fresh whole foods to deliver nourishment the way nature intended. 
MegaFood believes Mother Nature knows best. They select only fresh whole food, harvested at the peak of ripeness, handle it gently and with care to deliver its vital essence to you in every bottle. MegaFood, from farm to tablet, our name is our promise. For more information, visit us online at megafood.com. Zymogen is pleased to announce the arrival of Fit Food, a delicious, high-quality, functional food that's formulated to support weight management, healthy body composition, glycemic management, cardiovascular and immune health, and more. Each delicious serving of Fit Food contains 21 grams of pure New Zealand-sourced bioactive whey protein, 6 grams of fiber-immune-supporting oat beta-glucan, and additional glutamine, glycine, taurine, and MCT. Fit Food provides holistic support for today's active body. Learn more at Zymogen.com. Available now through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. All over the world, people are beginning to discover fish oil is one of the best secrets for unlocking great health. Thousands of studies have shown the amazing effects of these powerful omega-3s for heart health. Plus, fish oils have even been shown to balance moods and lessen anxiety. With exceptional taste, unrivaled freshness, and unsurpassed purity, Nordic Natural is the easy way to get your omega-3s every day. To learn more, visit Village Green Apothecary or visit NordicNaturals.com. Nordic Naturals, committed to the planet committed to pure and great tasting omega oils. The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body. And this is where Gero Formula's Neuro Optimizer comes to the rescue. Neuro Optimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. Neuro Optimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. Neuro Optimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit Gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green Apothecary. Did you know at Village Green we offer everyday savings on top quality nutritional supplements including herbs and homeopathic remedies plus personal care products and more. That's right. In addition to our other big sales events, you can save up to 20% on most everything you need for a healthier lifestyle today and every day. At Village Green, we've been providing customized nutrition and healthy living products for over 45 years. Visit Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or check out our website at myvillagegreen.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM 1500, brought to you by the Village Green Apothecary. I am your host for today, Dr. Kevin Passero. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, Unfortunately, Dr. Greger had to um, go, so... We're going to do these last two segments. I've got a lot of great, interesting information to share with you that piggybacks on the conversation we were having using nutrition, diet, lifestyle, medicine to cure some of these really intense uh, diseases. If you want, if you're interested in Dr. Greger's work, you can learn more and watch all of his free nutrition videos at www.nutritionfacts.org. You can also buy his New York Times bestselling book, How Not to Die. And I think in that book, he spends what he was talking about, the first segment of the book, outlining the top 15 causes of death in the United States, and then discussing the different lifestyle approaches to managing them and significantly reducing the risk. And that is what I think people need to truly understand and what we're going to be discussing a little bit in this segment. In the last segment, I want to share with you some of my favorite recipes that really piggyback on this whole aspect of um, you know, basically using nutrition and lifestyle medicine to, to heal your body. So we talked about some of the work of you know, Dr. Dean Ornish, who I saw lecture once, who was just an amazing uh, speaker and really has compiled a body of evidence showing that lifestyle and nutrition can have a more profound effect on health than what we consider to be some of the most cutting edge things in medicine. 
And that is specifically related in his case or his research to heart disease. And as we know and, and discussed, what Dr. Warner has been able to prove is that a specific type of diet can do a better job than stints or bypass when it comes to reversing heart disease. And it's something that people don't understand. And the, the whole focus of this segment is really this understanding and this idea that people have completely lost the notion that food and nutrition can become a fundamental part of healing. So we all talk about nutrition and people think about nutrition as, as something that's important. But what I have learned in my daily practice, working with patients day in and day out with various health conditions, is that while we may discuss some principles around nutrition, yeah, doc, I eat healthy, I don't eat a lot of processed food, I don't drink soda, um, you know, I try and watch my sugar and I try and watch what I eat, there's a huge difference between having a reasonably healthy diet versus having a diet that is focused on helping somebody recover from an illness. And that is what I have found is that if people undergo very specific nutritional guidance and nutritional training, they can turn around very significant health conditions like end-stage heart disease or obesity or type 2 diabetes or uh, chronic inflammatory arthritis issues or autoimmune conditions or depression and anxiety like Dr. Uh, Geiger, uh, Gregor spoke about in the newest research suggesting that people on a plant-based diet had significant improvements in their mood within as little as two weeks, which is a much faster response rate than most people have with even prescription medications related to mood. So these are not just general ideas of, you know, eat healthy and you'll be well. What I have seen, because in, in my office, we institute uh, very intensive nutritional coaching programs where patients literally come in once a week for 30 minute to 60 minute one on one coaching uh, with my nutritional advisors, along with regular check ins with me where we're giving them very set, very clear nutrition plans based on their medical condition. And the issue is that it, it's a big learning curve to understand how to properly feed yourself and feed your body for your optimal expression of health. And for different people, it's different. Dr. Greger explained sort of these general concepts looking at the broad spectrum of research in regards to what are the general trends that we see in the literature that reduce the risks of dying from any major issue, right? So we've got the top leading 15 causes of death, and then we've got these overview, these general sweeping principles of what we should do from a dietary perspective that show us that we can reduce those our risks of those top 15 causes of death by doing those things. And that's really what he spoke of, of eating a primarily plant-based diet. Well, in my opinion, there's a difference between eating a diet that helps you not to die, which is his, you know, what he's discussing in his book, versus eating a diet that makes you feel really good. Because you may find or read the research that says, okay, a plant-based diet makes me less likely to die of heart disease. So I'm going to start incorporating more broccoli and more beans and more legumes into my diet because that's what he said was good. But then somebody starts doing that and says, well, I actually feel really, really bad. Every time I eat beans, I, I have a lot of bloating and I don't seem to digest them well and, and broccoli upsets my stomach. I had one patient who came in a couple of weeks ago. She was on the internet. She started some internet-based dietary coaching program where she ate a ton of vegetables. It was like, you know, eating these huge salads, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it was great. 
She felt really good. She lost like 25 or 30 pounds. Her blood pressure came down. It was fantastic, right? Until about three months into it, she had a horrible bout of colitis, which is basically a major inflammation of the colon leading to, you know, uh, profuse bowel movements, blood, mucus in the stool, a huge inflammation of her GI system. And she had to stop it and go back to eating the way she was. How in the world could such a healthy diet with all these vegetables and all these plant-based materials cause this problem? We know that it was probably reducing her risk of cancer and heart disease and diabetes. She lost weight. Her blood pressure went down. She was on less medications. All positive things that are related to the research that Dr. Greger was referring to in regards to what to do not to die from chronic diseases in our culture. But it had nothing to do with how to feel great, because while she may be less likely to die of a heart attack, if she's having 15 bowel movements a day with major inflammation and crushing pain in her abdomen all day long, how likely is that that she's going to keep that diet up? So there's oftentimes an in-between, a, a slight nuance that each person has to understand for themselves in regards to what nutrition practice is going to work for them. So we can take these generally broad uh, sweeping concepts of using a more plant-based diet for reducing major risk factors, but sometimes it has to be tweaked for each person in regards to what's going to make them feel great. So when Dr. Greger talks about, let's say, his typical day where he has some oatmeal at breakfast, maybe a soup and sandwich for lunch and something ethnic for dinner, it was pretty broad, but... There may be somebody out there who tries to eat plant-based, but they're eating whole grain bread, not accounting for the fact that perhaps their immune system has become reactive to gluten. And we've talked about so many times in this show with so many different special guests, the increased risk that we're seeing of gluten sensitivity and immune reactions to these foods based on our overconsumption, farming practices, pesticide residues, and other things that are being done that increase our likelihood to react that may not be or that may deter somebody from that diet and say, no, I'm much better on paleo, so I'm going to eat a much more meat-focused um, diet that's higher in protein. But then we look at the research and say, well, that's contradictory to what we're seeing as far as living a really long life and avoiding some of the chronic diseases that we're finding. So this difference between the general guidelines of eating a plant-based diet versus how do we actually do this to feel good is very, very different. There's other conditions that I commonly screen for, uh, things like a newer condition on the on the playing field for integrative and functional medicine. It's been popularized in the last, I'd say, two to five years, a condition called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO, where there seems to be an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestines, which can lead to a lot of chronic digestive discomfort can lead to a lot of bloating and gas. It seems to be a major contributing factor to a very common condition called irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, which is characterized by chronic irregularities in bowel movements along with a lot of digestive pain and discomfort. Some people would maybe just call it a nervous stomach or I just have a sensitive stomach, but that's basically IBS. And the concepts around small intestinal bacterial overgrowth seem to, if you apply them to IBS patients, about 80% of IBS patients will significantly improve. Well, people with sensitive digestive tracts may not do all that well if they start including a lot of different plant-based foods. People with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth can be very reactive to foods that are considered to be very healthy, like garlic. 
or onions or other foods that are high in these certain types of sugars that the bacteria in the small intestine like to metabolize. So understanding where you fit in this general category of not just how do I craft a diet that is going to reduce my major risk factors for death, how do I combine that with a diet that's going to be optimally healthy for me as far as feeling good and addressing my specific concerns? Because let's face it, many people who are at risk for, let's say, heart disease or other other problems have other health conditions layered on top of that. I work with a lot of endocrinology patients that have thyroid disorders, and thyroid disorders are one of the most common endocrine dysfunctions, one of the most common medical conditions diagnosed in the United States today. Well, there's specific insights into nutrition that relate specifically to, let's say, thyroid disorders, especially the type of thyroid disorder that's associated with an autoimmune reaction, which is most of them. About 80% of at least women that have a thyroid disorder have it due to an autoimmune reaction that's occurring in the thyroid. Food sensitivities and food allergies in, I would say, 70 to 80% of those autoimmune thyroid patients tend to fuel that thyroid disease and their thyroid condition is more manageable and the person feels better when they're off of those food allergies. Gluten seems to be a huge contributing factor. Dairy products and other inflammatory foods also seem to be huge influences when managing that condition. So we may be looking at the the optic of how do we create an optimal healthy diet and then putting different shades of lenses on top of that one optic because there may be other aspects of health conditions that we need to filter out. So it may be a thyroid condition. It may be an arthritis condition. It may be migraine headaches. It may be high blood pressure. Um, it may be many of the other things that <clears throat> commonly afflict people on a day-to-day basis, gastrointestinal disorders, whether it be something like we've talked about like IBS or something more serious like an inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. In many of these conditions, there's an aspect of nutrition that can be incredibly beneficial to the healing of these conditions if we incorporate it. And that's what we see. And what we see, what I've been seeing in my practice since I've been incorporating these really intensive nutritional makeover programs is I see people improving in their health more than I've ever seen in my 13 years of clinical practice. So whereas before, if we sit down and we talk about general concepts, I maybe say, yeah, we'll look at this this book about a Mediterranean diet or about a paleo diet or about a vegetarian diet, and I want you to take some of these supplements and I want you to do a few of these things. People do good. They do better. They improve. Their health gets better. There's usually always gains. But when I can get somebody to commit to a four- to eight-week program where every single week well, number one, we're, we're crafting a customized nutritional plan for them based on all of the different unique properties of their health. Do they have an endocrine disorder? Do they have an autoimmune disorder? Are they dealing with arthritis? How is their digestive function? How is their sleep? What are their stress levels like? What are all of these factors associated with their nutritional needs? And we customize that also in context to what is a diet that we know based on research is most associated with reduced risk of heart disease, cancer, dementia, diabetes, and most of the major conditions that affect Americans. Then we see these major changes. And what people need in these, in these contexts is 
everybody out there who's listening, and I am not exempt from this, people need coaching, learning how to eat differently. It's like learning a new skill. It's like you wouldn't expect to, if you've never played tennis before, to walk out on a tennis court and be able to hit a perfect ground stroke or a perfect volley or a perfect serve. It takes practice to learn how. So yes, many people, when they're trying to learn something new, how many people out there in life just go out and try and learn it on their own? If anybody out there decided they wanted to learn how to play guitar, what would be one of the first things that you did if you wanted to learn how to play guitar? If you had never skied before, what would you do if you wanted to learn how to ski? The first thing that you would do is you would hire an instructor to sit down with you on a regular basis, give you homework, give you encouragement, and basically guide you on how to do it properly because it increases your chances of success because you're learning from somebody who's already figured it out. And it's the same exact thing with nutrition. When we come back from the break, we'll pick up the conversation. I'm going to share with you some of my most, uh, ex my best recipes that I really love doing in my diet. So don't go anywhere. This is Dr. Kevin Passero with the Essentials of Healthy Living, and we're going to be back right after these words. Solgar Number no. Seven can help you feel the difference. Solgar Number no. Seven actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar Number no. Seven is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar Number no. Seven help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar Number no. Seven says yes. Solgar Number no. Seven. Available at Village Green Apothecary. If you have arthritis, everyday tasks can become a challenge. That's why more and more doctors are recommending Arthrobin, an all-natural medical food for the dietary management of osteoarthritis. It contains a combination of bioflavonoids, which work to reduce inflammation and joint deterioration, along with collagen peptides, which increase joint mobility, function, and repair. Arthrobin is not a drug and is virtually free of negative side effects. Look for Arthrobin by Designs for Health Today, available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Multivitamins. That's right, certified organic, made with the highest quality standards, uncooked, untreated, unadulterated, non-GMO certified, vegan, and gluten-free. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics. Now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Some things are hard to stomach, and life doesn't stop for occasional immune challenges or intestinal distress. ProBalarti from Metagenics offers a new targeted probiotic approach for intestinal support. Help maintain control while traveling or as a follow-up to antibiotic therapy to support intestinal flora for healthy intestinal function. ProBalarti provides ID-certified probiotic strains suggested by research to enhance certain aspects of immune function in addition to promoting a healthy balance of intestinal microflora. ProBalarti is the go-to probiotic for patients on the go. Get it today. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. Have you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months? One theory is because of a decrease in sun exposure, our bodies don't make enough vitamin D, which is essential to proper immune function. That's why medical experts recommend supplementing with vitamin D. Thorne Research's vitamin D products are made from pure vitamin D with no preservatives or unnecessary ingredients added. Support your immune system with Thorne's vitamin D1000 and D5000. These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green. Welcome back, everybody, to the Essentials of Healthy Living here on AM1500, brought to you by the Village Green Pop Carry. I am your host for today, Dr. Kevin Passero. Thank you all for tuning in. We've been talking all about lifestyle medicine, diet, nutrition. 
and got a short segment here, but I promised I would share with you guys some of my favorite recipes for food. So I'm going to take you through kind of a typical day for myself and what I've been eating lately because it very much lines up with what um, you know Dr. Greger was discussing as far as a plant-based healthy uh, diet that is going to give us all the nutrition that we need. So one of my favorite things that I've been doing in the morning is making a green smoothie. It's simple. It's easy if you prep it the night before um, and it tastes amazing and it's an amazing way to start the day because it gives you all of these super dense phytonutrients and while you're sleeping and you're fasting, your body gets a chance for detox. And so when you wake up in the morning and start your day with the green smoothie, it is just fantastic. My tip, because my mornings are busy, I've got two kids, it's bus stops, out the door, commuting into different, am I in Annapolis today? Am I in DC? Am I in Bethesda? I've got three offices. So I need to be prepared in the morning. So I prep my smoothie in the night. I put everything in the blender. It's simple. You buy a bundle of baby kale and baby spinach. I buy it organic from the grocery store. They're pre-washed. So it's super easy. You need a head of romaine lettuce, celery, a frozen banana, Granny Smith apples, and lemons. And basically you do one cup of cold water in the blender you add one cup of the pre-washed baby spinach, one cup of the baby kale, one cup of the romaine, a half to a whole celery stalk, uh, depending on the size. And I like to leave the top part on the leaves because they're really dense in nutrition. And then you put that in the blender and you blend it until it's really smooth. Having a high powered blender really helps here. Once that's all blended, you add the banana, usually very ripe, a little over ripened and frozen is the best the two tablespoons of lemon juice and a half of a Granny Smith apple. And you blend it until it's completely smooth. I love adding just a little dash of cayenne, but that right there, when you look at what's in your blender, it's basically like a giant salad and you drink it down with a straw. It goes down easy. It digests clean and it's a phenomenal way to start the day. Now, That won't hold me all morning because there's not really a lot of protein in there or there's not really a lot of fat in there. And my body burns through a lot of that stuff. So then about 20 to 30 minutes later, I have sometimes on my way to work today, I ate it on the way in uh, on the commute in from Annapolis to D.C. here to the radio station. I make a chia pudding. Chia seeds are some of the most densely packed nutritional um, seeds in the entire world. They're full of omega-3s. They have some protein, good quality fats, and you can make an easy breakfast recipe. The consistency isn't for everyone, but you do about a cup of almond milk, and there's a great um, coconut toasted almond milk that's out there on the market, low in sugar. You do a cup of that with three tablespoons of just raw chia seeds. You add about 15 drops of a vanilla cream stevia, which is a natural, no-calorie sweetener, or I do about a teaspoon of maple syrup. I put some fresh organic blueberries in there, and you stir it about every two to three minutes for the first 10 minutes, and it creates almost like a gel or a pudding. You put it in a jar with a top on it, put that top in the refrigerator overnight. When you wake up the next morning, you've got a high-fiber, really nutrient-dense form of nutrition. So the green smoothie in the morning followed by the chia pudding is a great way to start the day. There's another great recipe. Sometimes I follow it with maybe some scrambled eggs and I'll use some uh, brown banana in the pan with the scrambled eggs. It makes a phenomenal breakfast. I can give you more recipes. If you're interested, you can email me at drpacero at gmail.com. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. Always enjoy chatting with you guys. This is it for today. Thank you all for tuning in. This is Dr. Kevin Pacero wishing you all the best of health until next time. Take care. 
Did you know at Village Green, we offer everyday savings on top quality nutritional supplements, including herbs and homeopathic remedies, plus personal care products and more. That's right. In addition to our other big sales events, you can save up to 20% on most everything you need for a healthier lifestyle today and every day. At Village Green, we've been providing customized nutrition and healthy living products for over 45 years. Visit Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or check out our website at myvillagegreen.com.